welcome once again to a novel evening. As always, I'm Danny. You can find me over on Instagram and TikTok as at a novel evening podcast. And this episode is a very special one in conjunction with Tandem Collective UK. And I'm going to be discussing with one of my fellow film students uh, the release American Fiction that has come out very recently in cinemas. It's based on a book, which we all know we love, bringing it back around to the novel evening theme. But we're going to be giving some insights into this movie through the lens of film students, how we feel about the adaptation, how we feel about the cinematography, the script, the overall themes. Um, So just a little outline of the film itself. It is very much about black narrative and black stories and how they're presented in the media. I am a white podcaster, so a lot of my experiences, my cultural experiences are not going to match or align with the themes of the film itself. However, as someone who is probably a consumer of the fiction and the narratives that are being portrayed within the film, and as someone who wants to be a creative within the film, photography, media space, um, I think it's an interesting story from a lens, not only as filmmakers, but also as white people. Um, Within the film, we see how white audiences are consuming black narrative, black stories, the expectations we have on those stories, um, the things we, I say we generally as as a whole, that's obviously not to say individually that's how people feel, but what we expect those stories to look like. I highly recommend the film if anyone hasn't seen it. I haven't read the book. Um, but certainly will be now I've watched the film. The performances are incredible. And I'll be discussing that in more detail with Em, who has joined me for this very special episode of A Novel Evening. Mm. So a big hello to Em. Hello. Hello. So we are coming to you from our little Foley recording studio in our university centre. Um, Em is one of my fellow film and photography students. We have worked together a lot on projects. We have watched a lot of films together. And they have agreed to come on and chat to me all about American fiction, which we watched last night. Yeah, last night. Yes. Yeah, last (laughs) night we watched it. Um, And I think we probably had lots of different thoughts about the film. But to start with, um, tell us a little bit about you and the kind of work you like to create. Um, I suppose I've been studying for since I left secondary school. So um, I've kind of had the time to hone in those experiences a bit um i like editing i like the post-production i like getting what you would see as a film and making that the the end product product, yeah yeah. um because i think there's something very fun about um tailoring what a director has put together yeah. taking those into, pieces and making it into, into the, a film yeah. that can be consumed by audiences and what what would you say sort of the genres you like to, i think you have quite a wide variety of genres you like yeah i i enjoy thought-provoking genres so psychological something mm. that's gonna make you think um i'm not i'm not very good at comedy nor romance <laughs> so i stayed very clear um i quite enjoy horror yeah, probably something that has a little more to it than I love you. I love you too. Yeah, more Run than me the, the sunset. Yeah. yeah, and there's nothing wrong with people who love no. love that genre. I'm kind of on the same wavelength. I like something that leaves me with questions maybe after I finish watching. Yeah. I enjoy it. And neat segue. I feel like American fiction, now I've kind of slept on it, I do have a lot of thoughts. Um, so let's start. So we watched it last night. 
Um, what Firstly, what was your expectation of the film? Did you know anything about it? You obviously work in the cinema, so I don't know if you would have seen anything beforehand. Uh, no, it's been a really, um, really quiet release, yeah. um, sort of on our end, but we're a very sort of low-grade cinema, so sometimes <laughs> things don't come to us. Um, I think it has gone to bigger distributions yeah. like Exeter and Plymouth. Um, I didn't have any expectations. I didn't know it was based off of a book mm. until you sort of informed me. Um, and I tend to go into most movies with an open mind, regardless of what I know previously. Yeah. And obviously, as I've mentioned, we are both white. We're both uh, yeah. white women. So our experiences in relation to the film itself will be very different. But obviously, we are consumers of films. We watch a lot of movies of all different genres, especially yeah. through uni. So... Uh, kind of black narratives are something that we have watched and discussed so firstly I thought we'll take in kind of the themes of the movie and how it kind of related to you did it make you think at all about how you watch movies by black directors black actors that are telling these stories yeah it it gives you a lot to reflect on I think as consumers we get kind of caught up in you know you're, we're watching a we're watching yeah. a film we're not thinking about you know, who made it, what made it. I mean, I do. I'm a film student, so I have considered who's making it. But it it makes you reflect yeah. on how we treat these storylines and how they feel yeah. these storylines are treated. Um, and I think the one thing I noticed, you know, all the... All the big powerhouses in the films, you know, your producers, your agents, are all white, which yeah. is obviously very much the point. But I think it's very interesting because in the film industry, that is the case. Yeah, Hollywood is very sort of one-directional. Mm. Um, there's not really kind of a... Everything else is kind of a minority, you know? Yeah. We've got a very predominantly white male-based industry. Yeah. And that can be very very complicated when you've got yeah. minority creatives um yeah and there's hard. an expectation of the stories you're gonna see i think um and that's what the film really plays on you know this character monk is fed up of seeing kind of these very tropey stereotypical black stories finding their way into the world and decides to write this almost hammed up version of it it's almost yeah. so ridiculous the way he writes it and people eat it up. And I think it does tell you that as white audiences, we also have a an idea in our heads of what it means to grow up in somewhere like Brooklyn, Detroit. Yeah. Kind of these cities and black communities and how we want to see those portrayed. And again, towards the end of the film, you see a, I think is it called Annihilation Plantation being filmed? Yeah, yeah by this white producer. Um, and his assistant is Asian, I believe. So again, kind of in this assistant role. Um but again, it's kind of those narratives, you know, you've got films like 12 Years a Slave that are incredible. Um, but it's also how we expect these stories to be seen, right? Yeah, and I think a lot of that does come down to media portrayal yeah. from these white producers and white directors. <laughs> yeah, um, A lot of how we view the world is shaped through social media, especially in such a prevalent age of technology. And it's it's about addressing that yeah and um yeah and i think it's not just black stories you know we are seeing a rise in kind of asian filmmakers which i think is incredible um you know everything everywhere all at once and yeah. seeing these amazing shows but even i mean i love the brother's son that's just come out but again you've got white male producers funding and backing the money for that yeah 
Um, and also stories of all people of color and people of, you know, non-binary stories, trans stories, stories about women. It's very interesting when you see the expectations audiences have of what they're going to receive. Yeah. What they want to hear from that. And I don't know about you, but I was surprised how funny the film was as well. Yeah, it was it was quite comedic. It's um, a lot it's a roller coaster of emotions because I one I don't want to give any spoilers away, but one scene I was kind of like on the edge of tears, something really sad had happened, but then it was immediately really funny. Yeah, it was um definitely an emotional journey. Yeah, it's yeah. it's very emotional. I think the the cast is absolutely incredible. Um we had kind of Jeffrey Wright. I wasn't as familiar. You recognized him straight away. Yeah, I really I, I've probably seen him in a countless number of movies and i'm always always astounded by his performance no matter what sort of role he's been in i've really really enjoyed he's got this screen presence that just it just captures you no matter what character he is playing yeah he's amazing in it and i love um tracy ellis ross who plays his sister she's always like hilarious and i also loved i'm trying to remember the actor who played the brothers it's sterling k brown is his brother and I only knew him from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's the first thing I saw him as, is the yeah. dentist in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, and I also know he was in a video for, <laughs> for The Lonely Island, which I think is absolutely hilarious. And he's amazing. But the range of acting in it... And I did love the fact that the white actors in it were obviously very aware of what they'd signed themselves up to be. Yeah. It's so caricaturesque in some ways. Yeah. I loved, like, Adam Brody's in it, which, you know... Emma's too young to remember the OC. Um, (laughs) But for me, I was like, oh my God, it's Seth. But like, he is this greasy douchebag producer who, and that's the thing, they see dollar signs. Yeah. When they're looking at these stories, right? Yeah. That was um, when he, when he initially takes the book to his, um, what are they, publicist? Yeah. Um, You know, he's taken, he took a, piece of work there before and they weren't interested but as soon as he wrote this over the top yeah. sort of what he knew they'd expect yeah they they just I think they said it it. it's up. not black enough right that was yeah. the story they were like he took the story and they're like it's not black enough he's like you know when you say black and i think we meet another author at the start who has written a story that's very much centered on that uh she's played by Issa Rae, who's also amazing um and she has written this story you know it's it's using the dialect and the language that is expected it's telling these stories about i think it's a young woman who's like pregnant again right yeah. and she's living in the and i think she calls it the ghetto she's living yeah. there she's pregnant again and he really kind of sends up my favorite bit is where spoiler spoiler firstly but also language warning um he decides he's had enough of these white agents and he's like i want to rename the book fuck and i loved it because you can see them being like oh no you know we can't have that we're these are this is for nice white women who want to pick up these books and live vicariously these dangerous lives and i love the fact that they then they cave yeah and that's pretty quickly pretty quick and i think that is really representative though of how dare i say it i feel like white audiences want to be titillated by black stories we Mm. want to see it as dangerous and so far from our realm of behavior that choosing a name like that that's so provocative yeah pulls them that pulls the audience straight in and i you know i'm trying to think of black media that i've really engaged with i think the first mainstream thing i ever heard of was black panther yeah like big mainstream film 
that were really centered on kind of black culture, had a full black cast, yeah, black director. That's I, you know, that was probably the first one that really catapulted into the mainstream. Yeah, and it it was a very very good movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it was. Um, it's difficult though because. Again, it's all kind of, I don't want to say a parody, but you're very much taking the, the culture and making it palatable for white audiences, making yeah. it understandable. And our tutor just mentioned a phrase actually a moment ago when he came to help us up. <laughs> he mentioned um, torture porn is something that is discussed nowadays. I You obviously do read, I don't know if you tend to read books, but there's there's books such as, I don't know if you've heard of A Little Life, yeah, so there's books like that that are coming out that are all centered. That's actually about gay men living um, in New York. It focuses very much on experience with kind of AIDS, with abuse, childhood abuse. And again, it won huge awards. Yeah. What's your feelings on, you know, as a filmmaker, what's your feelings on making stories, be it written or be it on screen, of difficult experiences for people to consume? Um, I think first and foremost, it's, um, it depends how they start working behind the scenes. Has the book author, is that personal to them? Are they then involved in script? Are they then involved in the process? Because it is a very personal experience. And sometimes as filmmakers, authors, we pour our personal experiences into our work and, um, and it it's almost like therapy it's cathartic yeah. i when i make a project a lot of my thoughts and feelings go sort of into that project so it's mm-hmm. very very personal um but then on the flip side you have to consider your audience your consumer um and it becomes a bit difficult to navigate because yeah. you it used to be sellable right yeah. you still it need has to, to be sellable yeah. but you sometimes i feel I struggle because you have to kind of nullify it for your audience instead of being able to tell the story you want to you're nullifying to appease a particular Mm. target audience otherwise it doesn't sell yeah but tragedy sells yeah just an appropriate amount of tragedy yeah and your audience dictates that yeah your producers dictate that yeah and that's really I can imagine that could be quite difficult. So if I said to you, so A Little Life is about four gay men living in New York. It has a lot that it's, there's some very traumatic scenes. Um, I'd say childhood abuse, eating disorders, self-harm. If I said to you that that book was written by a cisgender woman who's chosen to write those stories, would that affect how you view the story being told? If I said it was written by a gay man who had lived through some of that, does it change your kind of thoughts on that process? Um, that is an interesting question. I mean, I usually when I pick up a book through my own faults, yeah. I don't do any background research mm-hmm. so I can read the book as, 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 it, as yeah. it is. And then only after will I go and have a little headhunt, see if there's any other kind of media... Uh, yeah. who the author is etc um because i did the same thing with a little life i didn't know anything about the author i picked it up and read yeah. it and then found out after and it definitely changed 
my feelings on what I'd read. Yeah. I think I think it definitely can. I think sometimes it can be almost surprising because yeah. your expectation is this is a really personal story. Yeah. The actual truth is that yeah, it's it's, it's fiction. It's so fiction. so again, I guess my flip side of it is if you had found out that American fiction and the story accompanying it was written by a white author, would that change your feelings on how that had been viewed? Yeah, I think I think it would. Yeah, it would yeah, be unsettling, it would, would it? it if would, you found it, yeah, it would be very unsettling because I think it almost skews the message of what the film is. Yeah. And we do see scenario. tragedy in this film. I mean, I think that's the the interesting thing is the the story is about a man who's kind of wanting to send up this idea of, you know, black lives are so traumatic and difficult and full of pain and and he experiences so much pain even in the first 30 minutes of the book. And I thought that was an interesting juxtaposition where he's like these books are like torture porn, they're ridiculous. It's so, you know, it's such a cliche, it's so archetypal. But it, he's actually suffering a lot in the book in yeah. the, and in the film. There's a lot of emotion there, which I think is, I think it's interesting to see that. And I think as well, I don't know about you, how do you, how did you feel, you know, as a white person watching this, do you feel comfortable watching kind of black narratives on screen? Do you ever think about that side of things? Do you kind of just consume it as art? Or do you think, do you ever feel uncomfortable with that? Um, usually I just go in with a very clear objective mindset of I'm consuming a piece of art. Yeah. This is how somebody has intended to put this art across. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read into it with my yeah. sort of knowledge of study. But at the end of the day, I'm watching... I'm watching a film. Yeah. Um, I think it only, my perspective only ever shifts when I start to do a little more research and yeah. that can influence a lot Yeah. as to how I feel after viewing any sort of media, yeah. any media at all, really. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a question from your editing cinematography I, what were your thoughts on that aspect of the film? Because that's something I'm not as hot on. I can do dialogue and script, which I thought was absolutely on point. But what did you think of the cinematography and the editing style? I mean, cinematically, it was shot very beautifully. Uh, the way that the story is presented through the way that it's edited is really interesting, really engaging. There, there isn't, There's no kind of slow sort of dragging pace it's very engaging throughout there's no sometimes people sort of linger yeah especially like they just it's a long shot i know yeah. what you mean you've got something will happen and it's almost like too long it's almost uncomfortable yeah. but this this was just very very well put together as yeah. a finished product I don't want to give anything away again because people need to see the film. But there was obviously a twist towards yeah. the end, which I thought was very interesting and something I hadn't necessarily seen. I don't know. I haven't read the book. I don't know if that features in the book itself no. or if that's just in the screenplay. But that was an interesting 
directional way to do things. Yeah. It's really hard not to say it. No. I'm like, ah. Oh. And also, I I didn't anticipate it. No. Um, there was nothing in the narrative that suggested. No. And also, I loved, again, how even this twist, and again, watch it, viewers. You need to go and see it. Really even good. that twist sent up rom-coms and these ridiculous action movies they still found a way to make that twist tie into the idea of film yeah and how we see the the right ending which i love you know he's got this producer adam brody again he's like we need the right ending the right ending has to happen here yeah and it's the most ludicrous ending that is chosen everyone needs to watch it but again that's what we want right when you're watching a film you need the big yeah the big finish and I just think it's very interesting. It made me think of films like um, Moonlight. I don't know if you'd seen that. No, I don't think I have. Again, that was a very kind of, very much, I think, the kind of film that American fiction is discussing. It won a lot of awards. And this is the other thing I think, you know, we're coming into award season now. What well, we've had the Golden Globes. We've had, like, the Emmys. I don't know. But Oscars yeah, is on the horizon. And there's always talk about what films are going to be not. I think Jeffrey Wright has been nominated for an Oscar. I could be wrong. I, I really do hope so. He's I think he has been nominated for American Fiction. I, I could be incredible, mm. but I think, I'm sure I saw it because I feel I definitely saw his face there. But it is the thing of the films that are nominated. Do you ever feel like during Oscar season, there's almost like this thing with films to try and be like the saddest or the most shocking or the most gritty just to get awards yeah definitely um that's why i live for barbie getting awards because barbie is the opposite of all of that thank god like absolutely margot robbie hasn't been nominated so absolutely like robbed but no but it's nice to see a happy film because i always feel like it's like the more sad or the more triggering a film is and that's really what american fiction is about as well that these films you know because his film you know they make his book into a film this you know sent up book that he's written fuck and then it's gonna be made into a film i mean whether we're gonna call it that or not i don't know but it is it's interesting that that's what seems to garner the awards and garner the praise right yeah i think from a filmmaker standpoint it it almost tarnishes what films can and should be they don't these stories are really important to tell yeah you know there's always a purpose to these stories and they're always important but we shouldn't forget that films are fun also films can be fun and there's nothing wrong with a little light-hearted or a little bit of fun and they should be do they do comedies at the Oscars? Do they have an award for comedy or I, anything? I don't know. Anytime I I I don't follow the Oscars or any of the awards very closely, but a lot of the time it's very it, it is very gritty. Whatever told yeah. the saddest story is kind of competing with this other sad story. Yeah, I think it's like uh, Killers of the Flower Moon is one that's definitely been nominated American Fiction, which I think is because it is a comedy. In its own way, it's a very dark comedy. It's very yeah. thought-provoking. I'm trying to think of other film Oppenheimer, which uh, I know you yeah. loved Oppenheimer. I know that was one you loved. I should absolutely say that I... The, the, I really enjoyed the cinematics. And, yes, like, yeah. The composure of the story. But again, it was, it was made but for it awards, was, right? You can see. Yeah. I mean, Christopher Nolan used IMAX, which is a state-of-the-art... Yeah. Um, technology for film 
it's sort of the latest film distribution kind of craze trend you know we've got IMAX cinemas popping up everywhere so it is as soon as you see the opening you know this film is made oh it's stunning it's stunning yeah it's made very for visual aesthetic purpose and praise and awards um that's the bit I find interesting, though, because when you've got these films on, like, the best picture list, so if you had a film like American Fiction, how do you compare that to a film like Oppenheimer? How can you put those two films, almost pit, and then stick Barbie in there? How can yeah. you pit those films against each other for best picture when they're so different? The audiences are so different. The messaging is... I mean, American Fiction and Barbie, bizarrely, the messaging is not all that different. It's no. about, you know, the stories that we're telling, Oppenheimer little different yeah. <laughs> like, a little different with Oppenheimer but how do you put those three things together and then compare them yeah like Killian Murphy and Jeffrey Wright are both up for Oscars for best actor yeah how I, I find it and he, in the book you know they're going through these books that are going to be listed for like this this prestigious literary award yeah and they're comparing and they openly the there's two black judges three white judges yeah the two black judges don't want fuck to win and the three white judges do. So they get the overall thing. But they say they're like, you have to pick this. Look how like gritty it is. It's so daring. But how do you, it's like apples and oranges. How do you compare Killian Murphy to Jeffrey Wright? Yeah, because in their own films and in their own rights, they were both incredible. So how do you then pit the two together when they are two completely separate stories with phenomenal actors? I that's as a filmmaker that's the part that to me blows my mind a little bit that you put these incredible films together and then it's like well you have to pick one you have to choose one out of these and I know there's so many categories you know there's like animation and foreign language films and but it just blows my mind how you know those two men we've watched Killian Murphy was incredible as Oppenheimer absolutely incredible but also was a little bit that because he lost a lot of weight and chain smoked yeah do you know what I mean there's always this oh that's so do you remember Christian Bale lost all that weight for The Machinist awful film mm, yeah. <laughs> and then he gained all that weight for American Hustle and I think did he win an Oscar for American Hustle but again I'm like is that because look at Charlize Theron she put all that weight on to play Eileen Wineros in yeah. Monster was it because they put tons of weight on or lost loads of weight and made themselves look the part I'm thinking Jared Leto Dallas Buyers Club and whereas you know Jeffrey Wright is kind of jeffrey wright playing this character but he's not altered his appearance he's not looking different is that again kind of that shocking factor that audiences want and judges want wow they put in a hundred percent yeah is this a review of beginning to end or is this just a review of their performance that's it that's it i find it so fun like i find the awards season kind of frustrating like that and as someone who wants to write or make films or take photos the idea that your work will always kind of be pitted against other work that might be completely opposite ends of the scale to yours yeah. is fascinating. And that's what it's all about, supposedly, as filmmakers. That's what you're aiming for, to win the awards. Yeah. Does it feel that way for you when you're making film? Do you ever consider that part of wanting to garner that? Or is it just making art for making art? I, I got into filmmaking because I wanted to make art. Yeah. I've never once sort of you know thought where what is the future is this award worthy if i'm gonna write a story i want to write a story and i'm gonna keep that my goal that's my priority yeah so in 20 30 years time when i'm making films 
how my audience perceives them is we learn that very quickly that's not for us to we can't control that completely we can sort of guide it we can mold it into shape but at the end of the day how your audience takes it is not up to you that's up to them and so i feel the same kind of would apply in my future look if i was ever god willing to look at you know the oscars i'm not thinking is this an award yeah worthy movie this is just this is art this is a story that needed to be told wanted to be told can be told yeah and um after that i don't have the power to dictate whether that means it's good enough to win an award or not and i don't think that's the be all or end all of film and it shouldn't be you said something very interesting there that kind of ties into the film we watched last night you said it's you can't dictate how an audience reacts and american fiction is kind of about the opposite of that it's about how he absolutely could tailor how his audience was going to react to this book he almost knew and I think that's the most interesting message. And I think as audiences, whether we're watching films like American Fiction or we're watching films like 12 Years a Slave or Moonlight or um, I'm trying to think, you know, everything ever all at once or we're watching stories about queer narrative or trans narrative or whatever stories, I think as an audience, we have to be considering how we're really reacting into it and why. Is it because it's salacious and it's because it's behind a veil, like a curtain we don't get, you know, we both identify as queer. Yeah. We get to peek behind that curtain, but there are people who are kind of straight that would watch that because they want to see what what it's like. And it's important that you're thinking about the stories that you're telling, for sure. And look, I think the bottom line of this episode is people need to watch the film and go away and think about it. Yeah. And think about what we're choosing to consume and why. Yeah. And before I let you go, before I let you go, before we go and actually do our lessons, <laughs> before we go and learn something, before we go and earn our degree, I'm going to uh, put you on the spot and I'm going to poach something from Letterboxd Uh-oh. and I'm going to ask you for your top five films. Just five. Five. Oh, no. <laughs> um, number one would be Labyrinth. I mean... Good, it's yeah. a strong choice. Um, it's just a personal love. Um, we know who the personal love is in the film, don't we? <laughs> well, it's one of those little gremlin things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know um, any of their names. I'm like, one of those carpet people? I don't know, one of those things. I don't know. It's you mean not. the goblins. The goblins, that's it. He is the goblin king. That's yeah. who we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really couldn't give you a list of five films that i enjoyed i could tell you that a lot of the films i've watched recently have been quite enjoyable um the new hunger games film very enjoyable impactful messages surprisingly mm. well not I still so haven't seen it but, um, <laughs> i need to watch it uh godzilla minus one oh. um it was a little bit out there for me to view in the cinema because usually um I tend to enjoy my subtitled screenings at home yep. because if I miss something, I can just rewind. But right. in the cinema, you're, you know, your focus is right there. Brilliant story. Mm. Brilliant cinematography. Uh, brilliant cast. And it was just it was just a phenomenal, phenomenal film. So oh. I would highly recommend that cool. if anybody is looking for um, 
a good Godzilla movie because there hasn't been one of those in a while. Oh, I don't know anything about this one either. Who's in it? Um, can can you do a <laughs> list of names? <laughs> it's I. Do you know what? I love a bit of Godzilla, bizarrely, and I didn't mind the one with Aaron Taylor Johnson. It was okay. Do you know actually what I like? It's not a Godzilla film. Cloverfield. Oh, I think you yeah. could class that as Godzilla ish godzilla spin-off it has the elements of the zilla yeah, at some point you see a bit of the zilla don't you making yeah. his way around and i i enjoyed that okay so that's your recommendation any films coming up you're looking forward to um oh god i'm trying to go run through a list, <laughs> of, um, list of posters that we have up uh we've got um the color purple oh, i am excited uh, for the this. moment um i've I've only seen snippets through like checking the screens and stuff, yeah. making sure everybody's behaving. Um, it it looks. Have really, you ever really seen good. the? Have you ever seen the original film or read the book? Uh, I haven't read the book, but I have seen the original. Yeah, I'm very intrigued to see where they're going. Again, the color purple is again a story. It's one of my mum's favorite books, and again, is one of those stories centered on black narratives, very much kind of consumed by white audiences. Yeah. I'll be very interested to see how they've done this kind of new take on it. Because it's a musical, right? Yeah. Which I think is a fascinating choice, actually. Um, but music plays a lot in The Colour Purple. It's a big theme of it. So, yeah. And the cast looks excellent. But again, for people who are watching it, I think go back to American fiction and think about what you're consuming The Colour Purple for. As a white audience, yeah. what are we watching it for? What is it we want to get from it? But uh, perhaps we'll go and see that then. That'll be yeah. on it. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice. And I'm looking forward to Craven the Hunter. Very different vibes, but uh, yeah. I hope it's not complete shite because let's face it, oh, it's not been great, is it? Some of the no. films up to now. So let's hope that they've not butchered this one. I need a good, I need Aaron Taylor Johnson to be in a good film. It's Please been a, God. It's been a little while since we've had a half decent superhero film. Yeah. And also the Amy Winehouse film that's coming out mm. very soon. Looks um... I'm. I have to say the casting. I was a bit doubtful, but I think it's it's looking good. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Em, for taking <laughs> taking our morning out to come and chat to me. Uh, American Fiction is in theaters at the moment. Go and check it out. Um, I'm sure it'll be available on streaming very soon. Go away, watch it, think about what you've watched, and think about how, as audiences, what we are consuming and the stories we're getting from that. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Novel Evening. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed making it. Please remember to go over and rate, subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcasts and check us out on Instagram at A Novel Evening Podcast and over on TikTok under the same name. And we'll see you next week. Bye bye.